Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash have a drink show. Looks like we're heading back to France for some wine. This time it's Beaujolais, possibly the Frenchiest wine name of all time. Or maybe we just need to look it up in the Bectionary. We'll do a little digging to see what has kept this type of wine going for centuries. Look at how it's made and maybe... If we have time, have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, a show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hi. How's it, how's it all been? We've had a doozy of a week. We're alive. Dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fun case of food poisoning. Great times. Been working its way through the, the household for about a week. Until we figured out the culprit. <laughs> you should have thrown out that spoiled milk. Donuts. Who would have known you could get food poisoning from donuts? Kroger Get some donuts. listeria. I don't know what it was, but it started with Emmett last Saturday. And that we were just, because like, we went to the museum and we were like, well, he was like crawling around on the floor acting like he was a cat for a, a bunch of the time. So mm-hmm. we're like, eh, he probably picked something up there. And then it got Brittany the that Sunday night into Monday morning. And then it then, should have been a signal dad, yeah. Wednesday night when I was like, you know, he Brittany had him in the bath. I was just like, I'm going to be naughty and sneak into the kitchen and grab a snack. I was like, oh, there's some of those donuts <laughs> left. And I popped up and I'm like, oh, they're not stale yet. Should have been. <laughs> Red warning, flag. Warning number one. Red flag. <laughs> I eat two of them. <laughs> By the next morning, I can't stop pooping <laughs> or throwing up. You become Chris Traeger in the episode where he has the flu in Parks and Rec, where you're just staring at the mirror going, stop pooping. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was pretty much it. Uh, not uh, not good times. Or sounds not fun. It's always the, so when it's food poisoning, First time you throw up, you feel so much better. And it was like right before work. So I'm like, I feel like I could go to work. And then Brittany was like, you couldn't go to work. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then at first I'm like, I'll, I was like, I'll get so much done around here. You know, I'll kind of use it as just like a productive day around the house. And then within two hours, I'm like down and out on the couch. Like, I want to die. <laughs> 
So it begins. And the maintenance guy knocked on the door, and I'm like, you don't want to come in here. It's you bad. don't want none of this, do we? <sighs> so that's, that's how things have been for us. Just vomit, Pleasant. excrement everywhere. It's it's a it's a non-zero number of times someone has crapped their pants in here this week. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Casey. How have you been? Um, I have not crapped my pants this week. Um, I'm not trying hard enough. I've got Bob right think here. About it though, so that's the that's the scary part. Um, the uh, we brewed. Today, I actually got back in the brew house for once in a while. So, um, I brewed a, a Belgian dark strong. So, that was fun. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Different from a normal day. Not not Sounds brewing good. a Bach coming into Bach season? Uh, that's what I'm brewing on um, a week from today. Oh. I've got a Maybach. All right. <laughs> uh, Oh, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to a to a Maybach. I'm I'm looking forward to a lot of box right now. Uh, I'm not a big box fan. I mean, I, I, look, it's just a nice little thing to change up the pace of all the other beers I've been having. So Imperial Stouts and and IPAs. Yeah, like Pretty look, much. sometimes you need need a little little variety in the life. Look, Bach <laughs> is the beer of Cincinnati. And uh, I believe our uh, now collaborator on the show, Jim, and the establishment he works at just did a collaboration with Braxton for a double barrel Bach. And uh, I'm interested in getting a hold of a bottle of that. He says it turned out very well. Well, all right. Uh. Yeah, I uh, I got surprised with a three day weekend this weekend. So I'm not used to having like holidays. <laughs> it's a good kind of surprise. Yeah, like food poisoning. Yeah, that's that one's a bit different. Distinction. Yeah, yeah you get, you find out you have a three day weekend, and then immediately Brittany ropes you into <laughs> babysitting for your three day weekend. Yeah. Unbeknownst I, to me, it's just kind of like a. Like, I find out, she's like, oh, yeah, ask Bob to. I don't know if he will. And I'm like, what? And then you're like, yeah, I'll be there. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, you know, I, I didn't, you know. There was the question there. I was like, uh, sure. To be fair, I was trying not to go that direction because I was like, he has his day off. Like, <laughs> like he doesn't usually get this. So I, I asked literally, like, the family. I, like, I'm just... I'm I'm asking like anyone I can else anyone else I can think of. <laughs> Nobody else has the day off. Like yeah, hope the daycare closed and like literally <laughs> nobody else has has to, has has the day off. And I'm like, this is dumb. And I'm pretty sure the daycare's never taken President's Day off before. That's a weird one for a daycare. Yeah, like like mom barely took off Christmas Eve. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. I, I, that was just the thing when he said that. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess the holiday, for whatever reason, they're taking it off. So, sure. I think I it's mean, because. I could be helpful. I know. I don't think. I know it's because uh, they just want our money. 
so she doesn't have to pay her employees to be there because we have to pay for a full week unless they miss two or more days due to a COVID exposure at fault of the daycare. <laughs> we have to pay for a full week unless that is the case, no matter what, no matter holiday, no matter what. So <laughs> she's just like, any time, any holiday to call, they'll be like, well, I'm just going to take your money. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, good excuse to get to, to head up that way anyway. And I have, I have Baba to bring you anyway, so... I can I can achieve things. I was actually going to ask, like, oh yeah, well they're busy, so I guess there's not really much reason to try to make a trip up there. And then he said, "You want to babysit?" And I was like, "Well, that is an excuse to get up there." <laughs> you want to influence go. our child? Mm-hmm. Uh, there is also the Saki Social uh, down at Void tomorrow for some some special releases. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Plus food, they make food during those days. Some uh, as they usually have like yakitori, some. Gyoza, some other things I can't remember the names of, but are tasty. Uh, They're probably amazing. I can't think of a ton of different food things right now. Yeah, they they wheel out a big flat iron, and we're just like, all right, get to work. Mm. <sighs> so yeah, uh, delicious. Okay. Guess once upon a time we had like a segment where we talked about news around here, didn't we? We did yeah. back in the day, but uh, it got a little lengthy. And guess what? It has its own show now. Also, yeah. there's usually more than three stories to talk about, which is all it was when we had it as a, a segment. Yeah. yeah, we kept finding things we wanted to keep talking about. Although at this point, <laughs> considering how the luck we had this week, it was like. But uh, in Have a Drink News this week, we talked about how courageous Heineken is becoming. God. Just oh. courageous with their Price prices hike. on their beer. It's just something uh, in their PR department. Just, I don't know. Just, just think about some things, folks. Uh, yeah, we also uh, found out that... Uh, uh, it's only only Glens exist in Scotland. Nowhere else. Yep, Glen can't be you, anywhere else. My uncle has to change his name. He can't. <laughs> can't well, keep no, going by that. Glengarry Glenross. Glenross. Yep. Well, I guess it, it's only I mean, in European courts. So as long as you're not trying to market uh, your uncles in Europe, you're okay. <laughs> I mean, you don't know what he does. Go check out his own. No, never mind. I don't want to make a joke about my uncle's OnlyFans. That got real <laughs> gross. <laughs> because you guys don't know my uncle, but I'm picturing that going like, mm, nope, nope. <laughs> also, he'd be real mad at that joke. Uh, uh, I like to think then, it's the uh, first time he's listened to the show, and then he's like, what is this OnlyFans in his type? Also, also, he would be really mad at this show, just in general. So, uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, um, and then uh, I guess we also uh, found out that McAllen really wants to have the oldest scotch. Look, the, there's like there can't be many more barrels older <laughs> than what they're digging out now. An 81 year old barrel. They're like, no, this bad boy's from 1940. And it's like Jesus. <laughs> 
just slapping the top of the barrel. This baby's got so many ABVs in it. So much tannin in this. They did the Price is Right thing. They went like, ours is a year older than yours. (laughs) Yeah, they're like (laughs) Glenn (laughs) Fittick's. Bid like $1 higher, and it's like, really? Glenn Levitt. Glenn Levitt. Yeah, not Glenn Fittick. Glenn Levitt. Exactly the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Too many Glens. Which is what we discussed last week on the show. Yeah, that was the thing. Too many Glens. Too many Glens. You can find out all about Too Many Glens uh, over on Have a Drink News. But but today our main topic is all Beaujolais. We're not that drunk. Seeking for ourselves. We're not that drunk. We're not that drunk. We're not that drunk. You know, once upon a time, I wanted to redo a bunch of our sounders, but I'm like, no, I just like them. <laughs> yeah. Like, at a certain point, you're like, no, it, it just seems right. Maybe what we're drinking <laughs> needs changed because it's Blizzard stuff, and I'm <laughs> not into you're, Blizzard anymore. We're well, done with them. It's a mixture of things. We've, yeah. we've walked away from that long before the scandals, and then the scandals <laughs> happen, and I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I left like five years before. Yeah. Well, uh, Beaujolais. Speaking uh, of scandals. <laughs> Beaujolais is the name of both a region in France and the kind of wine that comes from that region. Like many wines from France. Uh, They're snooty. <laughs> and unoriginal in their naming. <laughs> uh Beaujolais region is located in the cent- uh, in the center e- uh, east of France, north of Lyon, France's uh, gastronomical capital. Uh, well, oh yes, uh, Beaujolais sits just below uh, uh, Burgundy. Burgundy. No Burgundy. We established Burgundy. in the Bur- in the Burgundy episode. It is Burgundy. <laughs> As Brittany takes off her headset, going, I can't, I can't deal with these. <laughs> Can't deal with these people right now. Uh, uh, in the uh, Burgundy and above the uh, Rhone Valley, red Beaujolais wine is made from the <laughs> from the Gamay Noir grape. And I just saw that. Mm, check out the gams on that grape. <laughs> the game games. Oh God! Check out the gams on Game Gam. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Uh, Would you say it was the oldest profession? (laughs) (laughs) Let me warm up your uh, let me warm up your wiener the the, the Bavarian method. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the Romans planted the first vines thousands of years ago in what is now known as the Beaujolais region from 7th century uh, through the Middle Ages. Most of the viticulture winemaking was done by Benedictine monks. (gasps) Oh! Gasp! Benedictine monks. Monks, you say? <laughs> did the did the alcohol making? I'm shocked. Shocked, I say. It's <laughs> like someone like a, a a monk walking into one of the monasteries. I am shocked. Shocked to find there's drinking going along in this establishment. <laughs> Except there might have been a vow of silence. So, <laughs> <Just> stern looks. <laughs> I find it funny right now because. 
I assume Brittany has stepped away from the console for a moment. But every time Chris speaks, because of the way we've got it set up, it's her cam that comes on. <laughs> so it looks like it's the invisible man that's <laughs> talking on the show. Yeah, that's why I had to set up set up our thing differently so I can at least see Chris when he's speaking. Uh, but yeah. Sorry. No, it's fine. Uh, 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 but anyway, for the, for the history segment of this, so that it wasn't all history, we had to do a cut and just go 7th century through the Middle Ages. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair. That's... We, had to, we had to condense this bad boy. <laughs> oh, God. I wonder what's going to happen come, uh, come the Napoleonic War. Uh... <laughs> hmm. Let's look back and see what happened last season. <laughs> Uh, that was the theme of last year. Uh, Napoleon's a jerk. Napoleon really screwed up monasteries. Uh, in the 10th century, the region got its name from the town Beaujau, uh, Beaujolion, uh, and was ruled by the lords of Beaujau until the 15th century, when it was ceded to the Duchy of Burgundy. Uh, Past that Duchy on the Burgundy side. <laughs> Patch the duchy on Burgundy, so. <laughs> That's good. I like that, Casey. Go places. Uh, uh, the wines from Beaujolais were mostly confined to markets along the Saône and Rion, uh, particularly in the town of Lyon. Has a nice uh, rhyming scheme to it. Does like there's a very uh, uh, there's a lot of that uh. uh I can't remember the name of that accent, but the, the little Confined carrot the above the... Along the Sion and Rome, particularly in the town of Lyon. <laughs> We're still in Pasta Duchy. Uh, <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's another another stanza mm-hmm. building itself. This is what happens when Brittany's away. <laughs> she can't leave us alone for too long. We, we come up with, with parody versions uh, of alcohol. She's going to come back and we're just sitting here like tuning instruments going, all right, and a one, and a two, and a... <laughs> and she'll look and see how far we've made it in the dock, and it's one one paragraph. <laughs> it's not even to the end of the page. Just... <laughs> all right. Uh, winemaking uh, was brought to France by the Romans, has been a central part of the region's economy for more than 2,000 years. Uh, Gammy was one of the more famous uh, in July 31st, 1395, when Philip the, Vol- Philip the Bold, Duke of Burgundy, issued an edict that all Gammy vines uh, be ripped up within five months because it was a very bad and disloyal variety uh, that was harmful cr- to human creatures and caused ruin and desolation of the land uh, by replacing Pinot Noir and was full of significant and horrible bitterness. Man, that man had a hard on uh, for, had a hate boner for uh, you'll, you'll find out why. Oh, what could it be? It's, it's, it's a disloyal variety of uh, <laughs> variety of vine. I'm sh- like, I, I, I'm certain it, it has nothing to do with the fact that it's probably not French. Uh, let's see. So don't be surprised when you hear bad things about Gammy hating uh, on this grape in an ancient French tradition. Uh, Philip had very good reason to ban Gammy from his lands, uh, and it was called <clears throat> it was called money. Uh, by the Middle Ages, Burgundy had already developed a reputation as producing the finest wines in the world, with Pinot Noir as uh, its notable and excellent grape. Uh, this was the stuff of liquid. This stuff was liquid gold. 
French tea. Uh, <laughs> give me the French Jed Clampett. Uh, I can't think of a line from Beverly Hillbillies at all. Uh, so, sorry. I'm going to have to disappoint you there. Okay. Uh, also, I was trying to think of the French word for grandmother, and I was coming up dry. So, uh, Granny. Right. Uh, flowing overland and down the river, feeding princes and popes, and being fancy and delicious. Unfortunately for wine grows, Pinot Noir is no- notoriously fussy and annoying to grow. If you remember watching a grown man cry into a glass of wine in the movie Sideways, that's what his tragic monologue was about. So uh, we were going to play this monologue, which is why the note's in there, but after reviewing the monologue, because we've never seen the movie Sideways, but after watching the monologue, we've decided we need to make it an appointment viewing thing for this show, <laughs> that we need to watch the movie Sideways. All right. Uh, but the monologue... I, I've watched it multiple times. I love the movie. The, the monologue <laughs> is just too long, and it's just a, it's literally young Paul Giamatti like crying into a glass of wine for about mm-hmm. two minutes, <laughs> crying about as to why uh, Pino's his favorite grape and how... Fussy. Merlot I mean, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I think he, he doesn't bring that up in that point. But We have that oh, ready okay. for later. Yeah. Uh, that might be the new what we're drinking. <laughs> for wine. But, um, yeah, it's just him being about how Pinot's hard to grow, and it only grows in, like, a very specific set of circumstances. I I think our new what we're drinking thing should be past the duchy on the left-hand side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, um, anyway, Gammy, on the other hand, is a cross between Pinot Noir and the archaic uh, Guay Blanc and is extremely fertile, sturdy, high-yielding vine that can produce a lot of juice. It's like, oh, we have this excellent, easy, to, uh, difficult-to-grow thing that we want to make sure that happens. Look over at the other one. You're just – it's uh, it's that line from Brooklyn Nine-Nine when uh, – they, they try to switch out the dogs for the police chief. And he's just like, you're not Cheddar. You're just some common bitch. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I miss that show. God. It's, it's good. I need to finish the last season of it, but it'll it's never, good. It'll never come back, especially now that Rosa is a Disney princess star. Yeah, I mean, fair. Look, they had a number of seasons. It had a really good run. It it did. And it's from one of the guys who brought you Parks and Rec. Like, the guys who did Parks and Rec broke up. Both went off. One did The Good Place and one did Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I'm just like. Both amazing. Yeah, and I'm just like, God, these guys are just like teeing up stuff. Uh, uh, Anyway, now enter the Black Death. Uh,. With the Black Plague plague, uh, spreading across France in the 14th century, generations of farmers were wiped out. I mean, one-third of Europe was wiped out. (laughs) A lot of people died. Makes that whole, oh, should we grow the fussy grape or the one that seems to just happen on its own decision a bit easier? (laughs) Like, it's France. Yeah, true. Uh, Since most everybody was dead and the people that survived had to keep uh, chugging, along uh gammy uh made life a lot easier 
Uh, the 1390s game he was taking over Burgundy, dri- uh, driving down quality and pissing off Philip the Bold. Uh, <laughs> winemakers of Burgundy were instantly oppo- uh, intensely opposed to the new uh, uh, to the new law, and Philip even had the mayor of Benoit, uh replaced with one of his minions in order to enforce the edict. Uh, the years that followed were devastating to the economy of Burgundy, and much of the wealth and power was lost because there just wasn't enough wine. Uh, what with so many of the vines have been, having been ripped up. The strategy ultimately proved correct, though, and after a couple of uh, decades, Burgundy regained its status as the producer of the world's finest wines. And you can revisit our Burgundy episode. <laughs> I desperately want, at some point, in a normal conversation... Someone to talk about like the color of burgundy, and like say one burgundy. of you say, says <laughs> burgundy. burgundy, and then everything kind of pauses, and people are like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> like I want crap. that to happen so badly. <laughs> uh, and that may be gamay or gamay. Yeah, so. yeah I, it probably is closer to gamay. Uh, but the first time I saw it, I saw Gammy, and then I was like, "Just going to keep going with that." And <laughs> here we are. <laughs> I was in my head when I was writing it. I kept saying Gamay, and I was like, "Bob could be right." I was like, "I, I, I did not look up not. pronunciation guides, <laughs> as we tend to not do." Yeah, <laughs> just seemed easier for for progress if I just picked a word and just kept going for a while. As I stick with it the whole time. As we've officially been called out for on uh, Scotch, <laughs> like, hey. You can find pronunciation guides, and it's like, no. Yes, we can. We're, we're That's like, who we are. We're like six years into this. No pronunciation guides. We're just flying by the seat of our pants. It's throwing, at this point. Throwing our uh, Appalachian dialect at it. We'll figure it out. So when the railway system connected to Beaujolais uh, to Paris in the 19th century, Beaujolais wine became a fashionable choice in the city's bistros. As uh, Lyon became a major industrial player, Beaujolais was the juice that slaked the thirst of the explosion of workers. Coming in at around 15% ABV, Beaujolais was ubiquitous in the burgeoning Lyon restaurant scene at uh, at the Brunchens. Or no? Bouchons? Bouchons. I just wanted to be Brunchens. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. Look, when I was writing, I was like, 15% at uh, brunch? Hell yeah. Let's get lit. Uh, the traditional Leonis restaurant from this time, everyone must have been pretty hammered all the time. Good times. It, Leon? Leon. It was a table. And Le- Leonese? It was a table. Leonese. <laughs> it was a table Leonese. wine. A table wine at 15%. Let that sink in for a second. Oh, gosh. Uh, and it was the lifeblood of Leonese. The famous phrase that Beaujolais is the third river of <laughs> Leon <laughs> refers to this relationship, and so was Beaujolais an intrinsic part of life. Yeah. <laughs> it was often sold as fake Burgundy and generally enjoyed a robust trade. Look, we're committed to that bit. Don't even question it. Most of the wine was mass-produced and cheap. And Okay, you if you want to know the problems with this region, they start here. <laughs> they start with that very last line, and I want you to start counting in your head the problems until we get to the collapse. 
this is where our troubles began. <laughs> it provided huge immediate cash flow to producers, incentivizing them to continue to make more and more of it. Producers would often add sugar with wines. The new vintages uh, of wine used to be sent down the Sayonais unfinished, still fermenting away in its barrel as it floated down towards the city, beginning the new tradition of Nouveau. Uh, nouveau? That's what I'm guessing. Yeah. Nouveau. Yeah. Oh, how, how risque, how scandalous. Are you into the Nouveau? Well, Beaujolais Nouveau, the first mention of Beaujolais Nouveau in the UK comes from the late 1890s, but by the 1970s, kind of a jump, it was a phenomenon unto itself. Beaujolais Nouveau is released to the public just weeks after it's made. It's Nouveau because it's the new wine of the just-picked vintage. About 25% of total wine production in Beaujolais is Nouveau. Coming it's in, the wine of the it's the wine of the new generation. <laughs> coming in at 2.7 million cases a year, the first legislation of wine origins, uh, Appellation de Origin. Oh, we've said this a million times. Controle. 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 Yeah, that, I don't, I'm I'm sorry. That sounds more Spanish. AOC. Than it's French. Well, yeah, I was gonna say we're yeah. just gonna shorten it from here on. It'll be AOC. Came in 1901. Look, we all know what it is. <laughs> And Beaujolais was declared its own region in 1936. With such legislation came rules about when that year's wine could be released and how much of it. Uh, anyone looking for some? It's Thanksgiving, because this is known as the Thanksgiving wine. After World War II, the Beaujolais that producer... makes so much more sense. <laughs> it, it, it might make sense for you. There's never been wine at our Thanksgiving table. Uh, there hasn't on mine either, but whenever I was looking at wine lists for Thanksgiving, like wines to have at Thanksgiving, this is one that keeps popping up. Because mm, okay. um, it's, I think it's obviously all just happenstance because it pairs great with most foods, and that just happens to be the time of year that it's released. So it's like perfect for the North American market. We're like, that's the Thanksgiving mm -hmm. wine. Where... Uh, where Thanksgiving is where you eat most oh, foods. Yeah. <laughs> that's like the first thing that came into my head. I was like, so, yeah, that checks out. So, after World War II, the Beaujolais producers were allowed to release more wine early, a measure of encouragement on behalf of, are, are we counting the things? Are we making that list of mm -hmm. things that are going wrong here? Uh, so, after World War II, producers were allowed to release more wine early, a measure of encouragement on behalf of the government to try and lift everyone's spirits and the phenomena of Beaujolais Nouveau uh, continue to expand and grow. The most influential producer in the history of Beaujolais is Georges de Bouf. I, I was just questioning in my mind if I was saying that right. Just going to take everyone's silence as encouragement. Uh, also, known as, also known as the King of Beaujolais, who brilliantly and successfully took Beaujolais Nouveau and turned it into an international marketing phenomenon in the 1980s. Can it we add to the list of problems with uh, 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 <laughs> the, the Beaujolais wine is that it's uh, may or may not been uh, part of... Uh, Vichy France and collaborating with the Germans during World War Two. I mean, we're not really adding that to the to the list. 
Uh, sorry, I just I, as we were talking, I was like, "Are they in?" And I was just doing a little searching as we went through. I just thought, you know, keep throwing stuff on the pile of problems. <laughs> there are a few. Uh, look, it's still not collapsed in on itself. Mm. It was he who coined the phrase "Beaujolais Nouveau est arrive," of which uh, I didn't include it here. But they used to have signs at the docks on the rivers and at the warehouses. <laughs> when it would come in and it was all part of his thing. He's like, look, make it a big deal that it's, you know, it's a marketing genius. Yeah. When it's release day, like, Hey, guess what? Every black Friday, we're going to release our bourbon barrel aged stout and the people will line up and rejoice. And they, I mean, he's, he's not wrong. They do. (laughs) And they still do. Even when it's not special anymore, they're coming out and they're, you know, the wine comes in on the, you know, Whatever vehicle they're, they're they're export you know importing it into or leaving it with or whatever get into the place and you open up the thing music's playing and they just hear I'm coming out <laughs> it was literally at Thanksgiving around Thanksgiving so this was like the first Black Friday release we can call it, <laughs> <laughs> it was Beaujolais Nouveau uh, anyway the wines were shipped around the world and held in bond until midnight when massive parties were thrown in celebration. Look, the guy knew what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Duboff passed away in early 2020. That's a that's a hard one to know we were around for. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's not what I was expecting. Also, that's... Uh, uh, it's like, you know, oh no, Slurms McKenzie died. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he can be credited as a pioneer and leader in the global wine trade. To this day, Japan imports 60 million liters a year. And they're, uh, one of the uh, links I had, I, I put it down in the sources. You guys want to check it out. They have a picture of this. Uh, there is a wine spa where people can swim in it during the celebrations. Nope. Look, I have a, I have a, I have a strict rule. There are children about- swimming in it as it shows like the man overseeing it, pouring a fresh bottle in, and everyone's like trying to lap up the po- the wine pouring from the bottle. Jesus. No, well, you don't no, I have a, the one that everybody's peed in. Yeah, I was gonna say I have a, I have a strict rule. This is the same thing that applies to like those beer spas where you can take baths and beers. I do not want any beer that's gone gone near my taint. <laughs> As other it's producers- a simple rule to live by, but I I stick to it. Well, remember your checklist of things that were gro- going wrong. As other producers jumped I'm on adding, the money, I'm adding wine to taint, my taint wine. Yeah, taint wine. As other producers jumped on the money, making band uh, making bandwagon that Dubuff created, the market was flooded with a lot of crappy Beaujolais, and by the 1990s, its reputation was going down the drain fast, like taint wine. That's not all that was going down the drain. What with the loss of interest and insane amount of volume being produced. In 2001, the French government ordered producers to dump over a million cases to keep the stuff from being completely worthless. God. Some scandals in the 2000s, including illegal capitalization or adding sugar and mixing uh, crews with inferior wines further degraded the reputation of Beaujolais. It's uh, not been a good run for them. So they... (laughs) <laughs> we're we're in the 2000s and they've hit rock bottom. They, they, so have their hit, prices. <laughs> they've hit taint. Yeah. Well, uh, the app. 
the appellations of of this this wine. There are twelve main appellations of Beaujolais wines with with production in ninety six villages. Uh, these areas are known for granite and uh, schist soil yeah. in the north. Okay, uh, and clay and sandstone soil in the south, which help keep uh, help give the Gamay grapes. De- hold on, which help give the Gamay grapes develop a unique flavor. Uh, that can't be mimicked elsewhere. Often, Beaujolais wines get roped in with the more famous Beaujolais Nouveau, which debuts around Thanksgiving time each year. While the younger wine is indeed a true Beaujolais, it is only one iteration of the vino. The three classifications of this French wine are Beaujolais AOC, Beaujolais Villages, and Beaujolais Cruz. <laughs> the uh, lesser-known cousin of Tom Cruise. He's French. <laughs> Oh, I thought it was a Ted Cruz. <laughs> no, we, we've we been doing our best to stamp that family right out. <laughs> uh, so Beaujolais AOC, the Appalachian, covers all the region's 96 villages, but in practice, most basic Beaujolais come from the 60 villages in the southern part of the region. Beaujolais AOC wine accounts for about half of all Beaujolais wine and the vast majority of Beaujolais Nouveau. Uh, the Beaujolais Villages, AOC, uh, there are 39 villages that produce wine that can be labeled Beaujolais Villages. Many of them will also list the name of the village on the label. These wines are from schist and granite soils that give more sophisticated fruit and mineral notes than basic Beaujolais. Basic Beaujolais. Um, one of them, are you one of them <laughs> basic Beaujolais? I'm one of them hmm. basic Beaujolais bitches. Uh, the crew Beaujolais, so there are 10 crews, uh, top villages oh. or areas, which is apparently what that means, uh, which each have their own AOC. There are many producers within each crew. The crews are all located in the northern part of Beaujolais, arrayed in a row along the west bank of the, how are we saying this? Saone? Saone River. Uh, from north to south, the crews are St. Amour. Got that one. Um, uh, one That was the only one with the pronunciation guide. Julianus. Shanna. I'm just going to butcher these. I don't think you pronounce. My my rule of thumb for French is don't pronounce an S. See, I thought you do. I I assumed you. I I don't know. It it doesn't. You know what? It doesn't matter because these are all going to be horrible. You're going to butcher them one way or the other. uh, The Chablis. Moulin Event. uh, Flore. Tirobles, Morgan, Rainier, uh, uh, Broly, and, and no, that's that's a Dragon Ball villain. You can't go <laughs> there, Broly. Anyway, each crew has slightly different terroir that results in a range of expressions of the Gamay grape, from the more tannic, earthy wines of Moulin Avent to the delicate floral wines of Flore, Flore. Don't know. Look, you can't convince me that there's that Broly retired from from fighting as a Super Saiyan and started making wine. <laughs> so uh, the characteristics of this wine: all Beaujolais made from a single grape variety, Gamay, which is a thin-skinned red grape that is related to Pinot Noir. Structurally, Beaujolais wines made from Gamay are light-bodied, moderate in alcohol low in tannin, and high in acidity, 
And the flavors commonly found across different Beaujolais include blackberry or bramble. Um, that's brambleberry. Uh, raspberry, cherry, cinnamon, violet, uh, barnyard, color. or earth. <laughs> the, one of the flavors is a color. Let's it's a flower. <laughs> I mean, that's like saying orange. <laughs> yeah, and it's also a color. <laughs> Uh, Beaujolais AOC wines tend to be simple and juicy with straightforward fruit flavors. Cru Beaujolais wines are more complex with floral and earthy notes, complementing the ripe fruit flavors. I'm just picturing a bottle of Beaujolais wearing sweatpants that just say juicy on the on the butt. <laughs> that's that's one of the basic ones. <laughs> I think I broke Chris. <laughs> I want a Beaujolais Nouveau. That's what the <laughs> label is. It's just a pair of sweatpants and juicy. It is called Basic <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> no, no, no. What it needs to be since it comes out of Thanksgiving, it needs to be um, the backside of Joey's. Thinks he wears the maternity pants. Oh, our the... friends for his Thanksgiving mm-hmm. pants. Because they'll stretch out and they got room for his gut afterwards. This is juicy across the ass. <laughs> I need that. Oh, God. Oh, dear. Anyway. So, how's it made? Beaujolais Nouveau's. <coughs> I don't know what just happened there. You started coughing. That's what. How it's made. Beaujolais Nouveau's unique fruitiness and drinkability comes from a winemaking process called carbonic maceration. Rather than being de-stemmed upon arrival at the winery, the Gamay grapes are left in whole bunches. The bunches are then put into a closed fermenter tank, which are pumped full of carbon dioxide. The gas causes intracellular fermentation, also called anaerobic or enzymatic fermentation which begins within each individual grape, without the grapes first being crushed, though. Um, that's the normal fashion of, of fermentation. You, know, you see those, uh, those you, you frescoes of you, foot-pounding grapes. I was going to say you do the I Love Lucy, and you... Yeah. Yep. Um, after the juice within the grapes reach about two degrees of alcohol, um, I'm guessing that's probably uh, equivalent of 2%. Um, the grapes burst, so they they create their own carbon dioxide inside as they are fermenting, and then that bursts open. So, yeah, never mind. I won't go there. It's kind of a gross <laughs> analogy, but I was uh, say, much like the fruit uh, in our uh, fruit assortment from Costco, that one New that Year's, one New Year's. <laughs> when it was all fermenting on its own. Thanks when we had the, carbonated <laughs> grapes, thanks to the Fizzy. wild wild yeast in our kitchen at that time. From all the sour beer we'd been drinking. Yeah. <laughs> There's natural yeasts on the grape skins that begins a regular alcoholic fermentation at that point to bring the wine up to its final alcohol content. Uh, carbonic maceration also reduces the amount of tannin in the wine because Gamay is a grape variety that is low in tannins to begin with. Beaujolais Nouveau wines will made with carbonic maceration are among the lowest tanning red wines you can buy. Hence the reason that you actually... Um, 
can drink them young because the tannins don't have to fade away. Uh, semi-carbonic maceration, a variation that emits the addition of carbon dioxide gas, happens naturally when grapes are put into the fermenter in whole bunches. The technique, however, does not result in as many fruity aromas compared to the full carbonic maceration, but lets more of the structural tannin remain. Semi-carbonic maceration is used on higher-quality cru Beaujolais. So, where is Beaujolais now? It's in my hand. Um, well, it's become a hot spot for natural, uh, natural wine making, and producers such as Marcel Lapierre uh, have led the way for that trend by rejecting the mass-produced garbage from the 90s and 2000s by making small amounts of very good natural wine. The kids natural that were born. Wine. Look, I, I held out as long as I could. <laughs> the kids that were born during the 70s and 80s when Beaujolais was at its peak production are scaling back, working with tiny parcels, and making some of the ver- most very fine wines indeed. These people saw their parents rise and fall and are not keen to make the same mistakes. They're proud of their terroir and their wines and more focused on the Cru Beaujolais than the Nouveaux. Uh, the wines being produced are varied, sometimes eschewing carbonic maceration entirely, and some of them are pretty darn powerful and have great aging potential. Through this beautiful region, or so, though, though this beautiful region has seen many ups and downs, it's clear from the quality of the wine being produced now that they have a modern renaissance. I mean, that tends to happen when, you know, everything goes to crap. It's time to, you know, usually it's like, all right, what, how do we fix it? How do we make it better? All right. All right. Someone well, had a nice, fancy sounding glass. Let's oh. Let's find out what we've all been drinking. And if they want to drink Merlot, we're drinking Merlot. Oh, no, if anybody orders Merlot, I'm leaving. I am not drinking any fucking Merlot! <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, uh, <laughs> That movie has put me off Merlot, actually. <laughs> it, it shouldn't be. Like, I try, my, I, I try my best to not have that preconceived notion, mm. but... After watching that movie, I was definitely off of the Merlot bandwagon. That's awesome. That's oh, why yeah. I'm saying it needs. To, we need to have a, a drinking night where we're drinking wine and watch Sideways. And yes, I mean, one of the wines we'll have to drink is Merlot. Can we oh, just drink sure. the one line that I one wine that I do like? Malbec. I, mean, <laughs> uh, I thought it was Chianti. Chianti. I thought it was both. Might be both, actually. I think I, I was okay with Malbec, but that was the Argentina thing. See, that's so. one of the reasons I think we'll like this one uh, if we got a nouveau because the Malbec was young. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, what are, what are we all drinking tonight? Uh, I know most of us are not drinking wine. Yeah, we're uh, we're not at all um, <laughs> drinking beer because you know food poisoning. We're like not going to venture venture we were, down. We were that, frightened of the wine. Not venturing down the high ABV path. Yeah. Um, we started off with phase three, uh, TDH triple low ceilings, uh, triple dry hopped, triple IPA with Citra and Mosaic. Delicious. Because phase three. I'm just going to put because that in there. Citra Mosaic. It's the, uh, it's, I want to say, what what was the meme I shared before? It was like, it's the holiday recipe for Hallmark Channel movies. <laughs> Citra Mosaic is basically the 
high profile female lawyer from the big city moves back home to take yes. over to take over a mint farm or something from yeah. her to, parents to take over her family's christmas tree farm yeah, yeah and falls in love with hunky stud who does boring local like handyman work but is the sexiest damn thing you've ever seen <laughs> yeah that's, All that's right, not, and wearing flannel. I'm assuming sounds like to be. that's yeah. Citra Mosaic because every brewery does it in some fashion for everything. Occasionally, you throw in Amarillo. I mean, that's just mm. yeah. <laughs> that's wrong. that's that other guy that's also the the high school sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. That's still in town. Yep, it's the competing. Yeah. Yep. The first but, crush. A little rough around the edges. So that who's I she going to pick? I mean, that's great because Citra Mosaic, it's given you basically all the, especially in this one, because this is still on that phase three one, is still a um, an East Coast version with, you know, the like West Coast hot profile. So it's it's still soft, but gives you all the uh, the resin and citrus notes you want from a West Coast IPA. And then on top of that, because we're splitting, uh, had to throw in, oh gosh, who is this even from? Oh, I should have remembered this from Whiskey Hill. Oh, guess that. Uh, Whiskey Hill Brewing Company from Westmont, Illinois. Uh, this is the Imperial Stout with cacao nibs and vanilla beans. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Subtle Void is the name of that one. And it's pretty good. I've, I've let it... Not sit too long, but as many great beers do, they come to my beer fridge to die because I do not get to them in a timely manner. Right. We did a, a, a beer and chocolate tasting pairing thing. Oh, right, yeah. And uh, I got five pounds of nibs yeah. from the same person for a beer that I'm doing right now, an Imperial Stout with nibs in it. Yum. It'll be deliciousness. You got to name one of them Tweak My Nibs. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to do that now. It's got to be. Wow. N- nib Tweaker. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Nib Tweaker. Do it. Please Just do it. I want to see that come, That's got to come across nib, the labels. <laughs> I need the TTB to have to approve Nib Tweaker. I'm- <laughs> I'm definitely uh, bottling this one instead of canning, so that's a that's a full on possibility. The TTB would have to do that. I need it. <laughs> what are you drinking, Bob? Look, no. Uh, if um, oh, who's the who's the one that does bean flicker? If they could get that approved, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm drinking uh, uh, nip tickler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'm drinking uh, Baba Yaga, uh, the Mexican coffee variant from this year. I was wondering how you were drinking whatever it was from just, you know, a giant plastic cup. I, it's it's from the Oktoberfest cup because I, I have many of them and I've just they, they were they were handy to grab and because clean. He felt like a savage drinking it out of the bomber. <laughs> <laughs> no, they've actually uh, for to to make them drinkable. They've put them in like uh, oh. regular sized bottles, so you okay. don't have to feel like a monster. <laughs> okay, uh, that's 
that is very encouraging. Moving yeah. Forward. So when you get your your delivery, you'll be able to drink them by yourself. Thank God. Yeah, mm. that's the thing. I was like, I don't have to save this forever. Mm. I can just drink it because I feel like it, and that's that's a good feeling. Can we go ahead and say that that is a like a great thing, or uh, are there a few of us who are like, no, we don't want the giant seven hundred and twenty milliliter you know, bottles, give me a small four pack so I can, <laughs> you know, I don't have to wait for a a gathering or something yeah. to crack it open. I want to be able to have one by myself, maybe. Well, I think yeah. that the whole uh, lack of an ability to gather may have, <laughs> may have, may have to caused, some of... uh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's uh, like, ah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, before that, there were, so Stone had already, before the pandemic, had moved to like Woot Stout mm. being in smaller format. Cans, coming for up, matter, yeah, yeah, coming, no, cans were, cans were post, like after. Oh, okay. After it started, but they had started breaking it down, and you could buy it in four packs. You could also get it in like the seven twenty format. You could you could get it in others as well. So I think everyone should. So, hey, Dark Lord, can we get that in instead of you know the <laughs> mandatory four flipping seven uh, twenties? Can we get yeah. like maybe a seven twenty and a four pack of twelve ounces or something? Come on. But I. Uh... I thought I had grabbed a different Baba Yaga until I cracked it open and drank it. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is spicier than I was expecting. And I look at it, oh, I had the Mexican coffee, <laughs> which is good. Uh, there there are a couple from this year that I actually do like better than this one. But this one, it's still Baba. Uh, it's still uh, – but it does have a nice like kind of spicy note to it. But it is uh, – it's dark. It's chocolatey. It's coffee. It's with a nice little little hint of spice in there, so it's it's real good. I don't know it's ABV. It's not on the bottle hmm. because you not that I could see. It. It's <laughs> Russian witch strong. It's I was like twelve percent ish. I think is what I remember them saying at Baba Day, but who knows? Yeah, <laughs> strong enough. It'll get you there. Makes you wonder how they got it packaged and out the door without an ABV on it. It's, there's probably something somewhere, but yeah, I just... It's, it's not a requirement, technically. Oh, it's not? Mm-mm. No, uh, some states require it, but um, my understanding is that ABV is not a requirement on beer by the feds. Oh, okay. So if it's not going um, out to in, distro, you really don't have to worry about it. Yeah, or even if it is in distro. Um, if it's not leaving the state, you don't have to worry about it, as long as your state doesn't. Yeah, yeah, as long as the state doesn't. Um, and uh, what was, there was something else. Um, with with labeling it, there actually are instances where states are like, you're not allowed to, um, unless mm. you're, you're doing it for some other reason, because for if the beer is over a certain percentage because they're like it's encouraging uh drinking oh over drinking they're like you're labeling it so people will want it more uh, like i mean oh, that's this is said, 13 percenter well, yeah that's said reason. we we do gravitate sometimes to to alcohol that is of a higher abv because we're like well that <laughs> gets the job done yeah um untapped says that particular variant is 14%. That also sounds accurate. I 
Uh, like I said, I was just like, I just put it as I got like 12, maybe it's I mean, at bare minimum. It's 12. Yeah. But yeah. it's, I mean, you were close. So. <laughs> All right. Casey, the only person who's drinking to style. And as far as I'm concerned, if I were to drink to style, I would have gone, uh, this brand. Yeah. George as, DeBoof. As uh, Beaujolais, the episode. uh, Beaujolais Nouveau. I had this one in my closets from 2018. It's completely aged out. It's probably two years past its prime. Mm. So um, it's it's flavorless almost just oh. because it's lost so much. I was gonna say, do uh, we at Thanksgiving? Do we all want to like go like on release day to to a <laughs> somewhere and pick up bottles no, of I... Nouveau like fresh, <laughs> fresh Nouveau? Yeah, like do we get do we get the hype? Do we want to do that? I kind of do. I like. I mean, uh, there's a reason I had this wine in my in my cellar. It's because I enjoy it. You know, it's a good wine. I just hadn't drank it in four years at this point. Um, so it would have definitely been a lot better four years ago. It's like me with KBS when I was cleaning out my cellar, and it's like, hey, I've got some like six year old KBSs in here. Nah, they're they going down the drain. Yeah, they'd have been <laughs> they'd been better a while back. They'd have been better about five years ago. <laughs> Drink them if you got them, as they say. Yep. But you know what we say? We say you can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com and follow us at haveadrinkshow on social media and twitch.tv. Yep, and you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just uh, leave some general feedback. Uh, You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com or the feedback page on the website. Uh, Perhaps you feel like, uh, uh, you know, Tying messages to squirrels and sending them off into the woods to see if they get to us. Um, I know they're very unreliable messengers, so good luck. We've held a tenuous <laughs> peace with the squirrels. I was waiting for pigeons, and you said squirrels, and I was like, what? <laughs> 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 Happening? <laughs> okay. Look, the squirrels still hold it against against us for the, the tricks my grandfather played on them by tying Pepsi cans, empty Pepsi cans to nuts. <laughs> oh, dear. All joking and fun aside, we like to remind everyone today's show was written by Tits McGee. Yes. Using sources from uh, Lion Lion Wine Tasting, uh, VentnerProject.com, and Masterclass. Got a a little artsy on you there with Masterclass. Uh, I love those sources. I got to say, they were nice catty articles that included a lot of the jokes I would have made anyway. (laughs) Made me very happy. But also, everyone, please drink responsibly. Yes. Oh, and and I'm Tits McGee. We we assumed. Uh, We should always assume. So, uh, you can check us out in another couple of weeks for the next live episode. And remember to check out patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Case Price. We shall see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. See you, Tits McGee. I'm Tits McGee. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> 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 <laughs>